0: Thank you.
1: Hello and welcome to the if we knew then podcast. I'm Stephen Sox.
0: And I'm Lori Sox.
1: And today we revisit an episode, one of my favorites,
0: our interview with Chris Nickich and his parents, Nick and Patty. If you didn't know, Chris was the first person with Down syndrome to compete in and finish the Ironman competition. Right now, we're approaching the end of the school year here with Liam and really reflecting on how far he's come and at the same time setting goals. And when we're doing that, it can sometimes be overwhelming. Even the moment in this process where sometimes we're working and then there's a little hiccup, maybe there's a interruption in the progress or we're not where we thought we were. And so setting new goals can sometimes be overwhelming because there is that element of the unknown and that fear of, is it really possible? So that is why we wanted to bring back this episode as a reminder to ourselves that these goals that we set, these steps that we take, you know, we we set these goals for Liam because Not everybody in the world sets goals for Liam, and so this episode reminds us that maybe we don't know exactly how we're going to do it, but what matters most is that we know what our intention is and that we just keep working on it, keep moving towards it every day, improving with the simple goal of 1% better every day. It can be done. And Chris shows us that we don't have to make these monumental steps every day. We don't have to go out there and burn ourselves out every day. Just 1%, 1%. That's all we need. And then we're doing things that people say cannot be done. And then we're changing the conversation. We're making history. We're breaking down barriers and lifting up a community. I am reminded by Chris that all things are possible as long as you just keep doing.
1: And this interview is pretty neat to go back and listen to because just prior to the interview, he had completed a half Ironman and he was training for the full Ironman. And they talk about there's no given. They can train as hard as they want and there's no given that he's going to do it. But they just kept going. And November came around and he did it for the whole world to see.
0: So we hope you enjoy this episode. Our interview with Iron Man, Chris Nickic.
1: Well, thank you, Nick, Chris, and Patty, for joining us today on the If We Knew Then podcast. Welcome. Thank you. It's nice Hello. to be here. Hello. Do you mind telling us a little bit about yourself?
2: Sure. I'm Chris Nickich. I started with the uh, Olympic And I did a sprint, and I did a COVID-17.3 half eye And how old are you? Eight hours 25 minutes, and I'm uh, 20 years old. And I'm a high school graduate. I'm a Facebook post speaker, speaker and also I got an intern job. An internship, yeah.
3: With the real estate the company. the real estate yeah. yeah. I am Patty, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I have a daughter who's 30 and out of the house. She's been out since she was 18 and off to college. And we have Chris, 10 years younger, and love being a mom.
4: And Patty did most of the hard, hard work raising Chris uh, through the first 18 years of his life. All the therapies, all the things that come with that. Uh, I'm Nick. Um, I own a sales consulting business. I work with sales organizations to drive sales performance. And the last uh, couple of years, I've gotten a lot more involved in helping Chris to optimize his personal performance, both as an athlete, um, so he can be physically uh, more capable, but also uh, intellectually so he can do more things like uh, speak in public, uh, hold a job, things like that. So. As a family, we've been very involved working and helping Chris to become the best he can be in the last two years. We've taken a dramatic increase in the way we approach things, and we've seen a dramatic uh, result based on that changed approach that we took.
1: Well, when I first heard your story, I saw a video that you, uh, Nick, and Chris were in, and uh, and you did talk about this change that you've seen. And I want to ask, what uh, spurred that two years ago? What was the change that or, or what happened that, that caused you to maybe rethink the way you guys were doing things?
3: Well, Chris, you know, has been active with Special Olympics in various sports over the years. And the um, Special Olympics expanded into another sport for the triathlons. So Chris went out and did a few of, you know, those sprint triathlons. And then he did an Olympic one. And we were more encouraged... Each time we saw him out there and he was having fun, He's always had a competitive spirit to him, whether it's in golf or basketball or swimming, but this was just a different type of sport that we thought we should give it a try.
4: Yeah. And it was actually a lot of what we've learned has been by accident. Um, Chris came off of four major ear surgeries and uh, started gaining some weight that, you know, became really sedentary and out of shape. And so as Patty said, the the pilot program for Special Olympics for triathlon just gave us something to go do. And we only did it for two reasons. One is the same reason we do everything Special Olympics, which is being part of a group and having people to do things with and friends. And then the second was to really just to give him something to do to get in shape because we were concerned about what would happen if he continued on the path he was on. So we just started a little bit at a time. And then about a year into it, the light bulb just went off we started seeing things that we'd never seen before because the discipline of trying to do a triathlon and training for three different things applied a different level of discipline around his training. And we noticed some things that we had never noticed before about his development style and his learning curve, which I'm happy to share with a little bit later. But it was was halfway through uh, about a year in where we saw things that we've never seen before and we started to dig in deeper and start to kind of put the pedal down, if you will, on doing things differently than we've always done them before.
1: Well, it's funny. That's something that we're told as parents kind of right off the bat is this physical limitation with a low tone, possibly uh, some other health issues. And it's funny that, that we've now seen that you're committing this time and you see a year where the light bulb goes off. That happens in every athlete. It, it may happen quicker for some, but sometimes I don't believe... As a society, we're patient enough to let that happen with certain individuals. And I I think it's fantastic that that you held on long enough to see that light bulb and then realize the potential.
4: Yeah, it really was because um, society follows a certain path to learning. And that path usually, you know, if you follow a curve, a typical person in society will follow a curve that kind of goes up very quickly and then stabilizes over time as people achieve their potential. The difference with someone with Down syndrome that we've noticed is the learning curve is flat longer. And so what most parents and everybody else around them does, they give up because they interpret the the slower learning curve and the flat learning curve as something that is impossible, as opposed to for what it really is, which is that it's just a delayed learning curve. Because then what ended up happening with Chris, just to use the example of the triathlon, the other seven or eight uh, people in the triathlon for Special Olympics Florida, every one of them was faster than Chris when they first started. And the ones in first, second, and third place were twice as fast. So when Chris did his sprint triathlon in 150 minutes, the winners were in the 65 to 70 minute range, twice as fast as Chris. A year later, Chris accelerated so rapidly once his curve started to kick in, he went uh, within a few months after the first year to where he went from the sprint to the Olympic, which is 33 miles. And then four months later, he went from 33 miles to 70 miles. Everybody else couldn't even begin to, to touch that distance or that speed anymore. But when you first met Chris and all the others, because they were much more accelerated physically than Chris was, but after a year and and then after his learning curve kicked in, Chris was able to sur- surpass all of them and be able to do things that were just unimaginable. And so the lesson we would love to be able to translate to other parents like us is you have to understand there's a different learning curve and be patient. Don't give up. Expect to build a really strong foundation. But if you build a strong foundation, then your kids are going to shock you by what they're capable of doing but you've got to be patient and give them that extra year or two years, whatever it takes to build that foundation. And then their curve will kick up and Chris can now compete with other kids who don't have down syndrome or special needs. And he can be out there competing with them in all these sports.
0: Um, I think when you were talking about uh, society and their learning curve, I think there's also something to be said about just giving everybody the chance, giving them the opportunity and And I love that even though the opportunity wasn't set there for you, you made the opportunity. Because we do forget, you know, from birth, there are delays in our kids' milestones. And it's easy, like once we get to a place where we see that growth and see where we're going, maybe there's a part of us that needs to remember when we're starting something new, that just like the other milestones, there may be delays as well. As we approach and introduce something new.
1: And how that translates not even, not only physically, but cognitively too.
4: Right. Absolutely. And that's what we noticed with Chris too. As a result of him doing the sprint triathlon and getting some attention, uh, I ended up getting him a, a six-minute keynote speech in front of a thousand people to talk about his 1% philosophy. And then he practiced for a month to deliver a six-minute speech that he he read off a teleprompter. And he nailed it. And then what we noticed after that, he started doing more and he got to a point where his intellectual capacity started to increase to where he could actually learn and remember the speeches. And so it got to where we got the speech to 20 minutes where he could actually learn the entire speech and deliver it from memory. And we noticed that his intellectual capacity was delayed when we started, but the more he worked on it, the better his memory got, the better his retention, the more he connects things. and so. While he can't think as quickly on the spot, if you get to know Chris and have a conversation with him, can understand him, you realize that everything is connected and and he's capable of doing just about anything. And now, you know, we applied it to triathlon, but then we applied it to speaking and now he's reading and working. And so to your point, you know, every time you try something new, expect that there's a, a delay in the learning curve. But then, if you're patient enough, that learning curve will tick up and they'll be able to do amazing things.
0: Chris, when you first started, your dad said that people were so far ahead of you in time. What kept you from giving up? Because that's hard. That's hard for anybody to go into something where they're behind everybody to just keep pushing and persevering.
2: So, I do this because I dream. Which my mom does it right here is the house, the car, and the wife.
4: What about the house, the car, and the wife? What do you want to do? Have everything. You want to have everything like independent? me? Independent. Me? You want to? You want to have everything like me? Yeah. Okay. That's why he's doing it. That's what makes him not quit.
1: And why shouldn't he want that, right? Yeah.
0: So, Chris, can I ask you? Because I just for me, I know sometimes I go out there and I and I'm gonna go on my daily run. And it can be daunting or hot or maybe I'm running with my husband who runs faster than me and sometimes leaves me in the dust. When you're there and you're facing the challenges of whatever that day brings, how does that feel?
2: Um in the heat running is hard because the sun is right in your face. Yeah. And I experience pain.
4: Okay. So when you experience that pain, what do you do? What do you say? Fake pain. Fake pain. And what does that mean? What do you do when you experience fake pain? Get my head. You get it out of your head. And then you just do what?
2: Keep doing Keep it. Keep
4: doing it. That's how Chris gets through it. When when the fake pain gets into his head, he gets it out of his head and he just keeps going.
0: Is that a, a meditation or a focus that you've helped Chris develop?
4: Yes it is it's something that you know whenever you work out hard there's the pain that comes from working out hard but it's it's not real pain it's temporary it's just your brain your subconscious mind telling you to quit but if you tell your subconscious mind that it's fake and you get it out of your head and you just focus on your goals and what you're trying to accomplish then that goes away so you overcome the subconscious mind trying to derail you from achieving your goals and you recognize it when it comes and you just get it out of your head and you keep moving forward. The only way to overcome that, as he said, is you just keep moving forward. You don't quit.
0: When and how did you introduce that to Chris?
4: About a year into it when things started to get tougher. And so we started talking about it because I could sense he was experiencing. So, So we always come up with things that he can understand and so I explained that and make it fun. I explained to him the concept of fake pain versus real pain. Real pain is you break something and it hurts for a month or two. Fake pain is, is that pain that's in your head that goes away the moment you stop doing what you're doing. That's how you know it's fake because the brain is trying to fake you out into quitting.
1: Well, that's the method and strategy of elite athletes. And that's something that I would venture to say has rarely been presented to someone with Down syndrome. And and there's a lot of different reasons why, possibly, thinking that they couldn't conceptualize that method or maybe we just don't push people with Down syndrome far enough. We have a son that's 10 years younger than Chris, and I'm like, I need to incorporate these things into his life, just like hopefully listeners can start incorporating this from toddler age. Not maybe the, the fake pain part, but <laughs> the pushing, you know.
4: Well, and that's part of it. If you understand how the human, the subconscious brain works, it's designed to protect you against anything, including anything that's painful and anything that's new. And so if you don't overcome your natural tendency, your subconscious mind's tendency to protect you, then you never overcome the obstacles that make you great. And so the way we help Chris do that is with this one percent philosophy. So we accelerate his growth. A little bit at a time we try not to introduce too much pain because it'll just overwhelm you so by the 1% philosophy is if I did one push-up one sit up one squat today if I just do one in two days if I increase by one to two and then two days later I go to three the amount of pain I'm experiencing is so little that I can tell my brain it's fake pain and I can just fight through it but if I try to go from 1 to 20 the pain it goes from fake pain right which is temporary to real pain which lasts a week because your muscles are sore for a week after that so we try not to introduce anything into his routine that has residual pain so we teach him how to fight through the immediate pain through this one percent philosophy without introducing anything that has long-term pain that then will derail him from his objective and that's why the one percent philosophy is that literally he's going to go from zero to 140-mile Ironman in three years, improving 1% a day for three years.
1: And when is the the Ironman, that is the goal, when is the Ironman happening?
2: It's going to be November 7th in Permanente City. Florida. Yep. Yeah, Florida. Uh, You know why I'm doing this is because we want your son to do the Ironman. And in order to do that, Ms. Lori, is you send your address to us, and then if your son's interested, then have him schedule a call with his dad and we we'll talk about.
4: All right. So you want to you want to inspire their son to do the Iron Man? Yeah. And he's ten. So if he starts like you started, yeah. In three or four years, he's going to be doing an Iron Man. Yeah. What do you guys think of that?
0: I think I love you, Chris. You're amazing. Man, you, I, I, I love you and I love your hard work. And I think this philosophy of fake pain is when you were talking to me about it, I feel like it's such, it's such a metaphor for what our journey has been with our son, as far as people telling us that things can't be done and putting up obstacles for our son that we advocate through And, you know, you get to the, we start at the table where we want our son to be in an inclusive classroom and we're told, no, we're, we're told he'll never read. We're told that it's impossible for him to be held to the, the same bar that a typical child is. And, you know, you push through, even though what they're telling you they're so confident in, and I I think not only your philosophy to push Chris as far as physically, which is amazing, and it breaks so many barriers as what we are told as parents of children with Down syndrome. You've just taken one myth and you shattered that perception and proven them wrong and just paved the way for so many people behind you. And I love it. And not only that is that on the matters of society and education, you've you've also taken that to say these are not real words. These are words that I don't know where they came from, a very archaic belief, but they're not real and this is what we're doing and I, I, I love it and I can't tell you how much joy it brings me because I know that because what you're doing and what you're saying and what you're proving is changing my son's life and the opportunities that are there for him. So I absolutely love you, and I thank you so much from a mom. Just being Liam's mom, I thank you. I want to hear from you as well, Chris, what your experience has been, because I'm sure that you and your family had challenges that we didn't have and that have changed, hopefully. I know it's a gradual change, but I'm sure you experienced things. I can't imagine what you experienced 20 years ago. And, And I think it's important to document where we've come from and the change that's happening and why so much more change is needed.
3: Well, if you're asking about education, my experience with Chris was the same type of thing with the IEPs every year in a public school. And I would, you know, sit in those meetings with um, an advocate who knew the laws. And I would know without a shadow of a doubt that no matter how hard I fought, in the end, Chris wasn't going to be successful in that classroom with typical peers unless the teacher embraced it. Unless the principal embraced it, they think they know what they're doing because that's the way you know they're trained. they're They're trained to have these exceptional student classrooms and try to lump everybody together if they have any type of learning differences. So our mm-hmm. experience had us popping around to various schools. We actually, Um, had Chris in and out of seven different schools before we ended up finding the school that we think he would best succeed in. And that's where he is graduated from this year. It's a private school for students with learning differences and the whole staff, you know, they love on the children. They get that there's a different type of way to reach these kids sensory wise and, It's, you know, it's a struggle that anybody with a child with with a cognitive delay or a physical delay, you know, we have to look at things differently than anybody with a typical
0: student. Well, we are working towards a more inclusive world and it will be so wonderful when it is and different isn't such a big deal, you know.
1: Well, I agree with the fact that, that this is how administration sometimes is, is taught, and it's kind of at ground zero in your home, you may see things and say, "Wow, I, I see if I do this, that we're getting someplace for it to translate to the classroom is a whole nother level of teaching the teachers that it's going to work. And now you have Chris, who's 20, and you're, or around 18, you, you saw that there were things that you could do at home that would open up doors for his success. The Ironman, number one, is an incredible achievement, and just doing the half Ironman is amazing. Chris, uh, do you ever have fear in your training or fear in, in in where you're going or the the challenges that are ahead of you?
2: The biggest challenge is the water 40. When I first did the covid Seventy Point Three, I didn't have fear. I learned it, and now for Ironman, it's saying, there's no way that Chris can do that. And so, please don't tell me that I can do anything. This is not right. I'm going to do it. When I do it, I'm going to come out on time, and I'm going to prove them wrong. In order for me to prove them wrong, my biggest chance is the bike for, like, one and 12 miles. Because when I sit in a bike too long, My hands get shaky, so when I make a turn where the transition is, from the transition to the run, and the run in the heat is extremely brutal, but I have to fight for it. And then after I do that, my dad and I go to the hotel. We shower, get dressed, get my face shaved. At age 21, on my birthday, we're going to have a corona. And like I said, that's how I'm training me hard, work hard, and at least we're having tacos and I'm having extra rice.
1: Chris, you train so hard, you deserve the tacos and extra rice. Nick, what particularly have you learned incorporating the 1% philosophy, which I'm assuming you've probably incorporated that in your life, um, in the past, but just watching Chris's training and his progression.
4: Sure, a couple of things we've learned. We as parents were treating Chris differently, and so the question then I would have is, if we're treating him differently, why do we expect anybody else, uh, you know, not to treat him differently? Our daughter, ten years older, as Patty said, than Chris was gifted. Right. When I say gifted, I'm sure you all instantly think of something, right? You think, oh, they're going to accomplish great things. So so what do we do as parents when we have a gifted child? Well, we get them really good coaches. We put them on travel teams. We put them in gifted classes. We make them study harder. And lo and behold, we actually help them achieve their giftedness by the way we manage them. Well, when Chris was born, everybody told us he was special. One word changed our entire approach to the way we manage and help Chris special means protect him, keep him from getting hurt. I, you know, do things that are different than gifted. So for 18 years, one lesson we learned that's a major lesson in our life is, is we treated our daughter as gifted and we treated our son as special and we got what we were expecting. Two years ago we started treating Chris and we said, look, We gotta stop treating him as special and we gotta start treating him as gifted. So we started looking at Chris differently and we started treating him the same way we treated our daughter. And in two years, he has far exceeded any expectations any of us had ever imagined because he is now proving that he's gifted. He's doing things that are thought impossible, not just by him, but anybody who's ever had Down syndrome before. And so um, we approach it differently and guess what happened when we started treating him as gifted? everybody else around him started treating him as gifted. His coaches at first was treating him special and protecting him. And then we basically held them to a higher standard to say, stop treating our son as special and start treating him like any other person, start treating him as gifted. And they all did. And the more we pushed him and the more we treated him as gifted, the more he came through and the more he accomplished. And when we applied a couple of simple philosophies like, 1% better the fake pain, but also the learning curve. We we also realized that Chris likes routine. He likes repetition. There's a certain uh, soothingness, or I don't know what the word is, to, to repetition and doing things, the same thing over and over again, comforting. comforting. And so what we did is we adapted and applied what is comforting to him as part of his routine to help him achieve his greatness. And so we do something simple with Chris, right? For instance, when we go for a bike ride, we're gonna go for a bike ride tomorrow. Uh, Your typical person talks about a bike ride, about how far they're gonna go for the day and how long it's gonna take. With Chris, we're gonna get up at seven in the morning and he's gonna do uh, six rounds of bike rides. He's gonna do six rounds of 12. Our neighborhood is a mile around. So he's gonna go and do six rounds of 12. And then when he's done, we're gonna take a two minute break. He's gonna have his gels and his hydration. Then we're going to go do a second round of 12 then a third round of 12 and we're going to do that six times when we're done four or five hours will pass and he will have done 65 to 70 miles of bike riding it's just a different mindset instead of special it's gifted instead of 70 miles it's six rounds of 12 and everything's fun everything's easy and he can count down and so in his brain it's one at a time and so it's easier for him to get into that rhythm and achieve so part of it is learning how people learn and applying it to their strengths staying away from their weaknesses and ultimately getting to the same point point. and that's one of the biggest lessons patty and i've learned through this journey
1: it's a great parental lesson
0: and and chris i would venture to just jump off of that one to say your gift is influencing not just people with down syndrome but i think anyone who hears your story can't help be inspired just to face their own challenges in life or to take on something that they fear or that they don't think that they can do. You're proving to them you can. You're not only facing the physical challenges of an Ironman, you're facing perception and I repeat an archaic perception that society has about Down syndrome. So your courage is what's inspiring and how could anybody not take that and apply that to their own life?
1: It's been so wonderful talking to you.
0: And thank you, Patty, for sharing your experience and Chris and Nick. Just, it's so great to hear from people who've been there. And thanks for paving the way for my son.
3: You're very, very welcome. It was our pleasure.
4: You all have a good
1: evening.
3: You gotta cheer
4: me
2: up.
1: We will. Please follow us on Twitter at If we knew then Pod, And you can drop us a line on our Facebook page at If we knew then Pod, Or visit our website, ifweknewthen.com to send us an email with questions and comments.